0: Hi, welcome back to Mariana Thinks Food. I'm so happy to have you in my audience again. Today, we're going to talk about a new topic. We're leaving this nutrition stuff behind, and we're going to go into a bit more policy. The EU came out with this farm-to-fork strategy in May 2020, and it's quite interesting, and I think it'll change the way we eat, produce, distribute, and farm food. The pandemic has made it quite clear that there are several issues in the system that we need to fix. And the EU responded with this document, saying, we want to improve our climate footprint, um, transition our global distribution and production of food into a more sustainable one, create new opportunities in agriculture, food and food distribution, and create a more resilient system, all the while being the example in the world to help the Entire world reach an ideal goal of sustainability, because in the end, without working together, world we'll cease to exist. But that's a bit dramatic. and after reading a lot of books on agriculture and the system and things about the pandemic, well, it's not very difficult to be so doomsday about the food world these days because there are a lot of issues in the system. And so this farm to fork strategy tries to achieve certain objectives by 2030 and 2050. So among the objectives are reduce greenhouse gases, increase carbon sequestration, which you do this through agriculture, become more carbon neutral, reduce the use of pesticides, reduce the use of artificial fertilizers, reduce the use of uh, antibiotics on animals, have a better supply chain, have better uh, sustainable products out there. And all of this should be done by 2030 and 2050. So for 2030, at least, reduce by 50% the overall use and risk of chemical pesticides and reduce the use by 50% of more hazardous pesticides. Reduce nutrient losses by at least 50% while ensuring no deterioration in soil fertility. This will reduce the use of fertilizers by at least 20%. Reduce sales of antimicrobials for farmed animals and in aquaculture by 50%. And achieve at least 25% of the EU's agricultural land under organic farming and increase significantly organic aquaculture. So we're at 2020 and not even at the beginning. We're in Q4 2020. So how are we going to achieve this in nine years? Well, that's where the funding comes in. They've dedicated 74 million euros for plans and for ideas uh, for this to happen. Aside from that, companies have been duly warned that this is where the future is going. And this is what the EU is going to require. And although They have mentioned that there will be no legal repercussions if these goals are not met. Um, By consumers being aware that these are the goals and why these goals have been put in place, they will actually put pressure on companies. And by they, I also mean you. You spend money on food every day. You can decide what companies get your money and which do not. And if a company is actually investing in regenerative agriculture, organic agriculture, using fewer pesticides, fewer antibiotics in meat, then you're encouraging this behavior and you're improving your health at the same time. There is so much information out there and so many conflicting interests, but there are a few things that are quite well known. Referencing the strategy... It says that agriculture is responsible for 10.3% of the EU's greenhouse gas emissions, and nearly 70% of those come from the animal sector. This we can take as fact nowadays. Enough people have quoted it. There's enough information out there to tell us that the agriculture industry and animal sector are creating a lot of carbon emissions. But is the solution to stop eating meat Is the solution to start eating synthetic proteins? And to give you my opinion, I think not. I think first we need to support farmers and animal producers and give them alternatives. Give them support. Financial is the first. It's not the same for a farmer to get a loan than your average Joe who works at a bank branch and wants to get a loan for a house. Someone who works at a bank branch has benefits, has a monthly salary, has at least the ability to forecast their job. Yes, they can lose their job, but they have a market value. Farmers, on the other hand, don't have that. They are dependent on the elements. And it's very difficult to forecast whether there's going to be a natural disaster, a hailstorm, too much rain, too little rain. Because each year it's his own world. So, why do we expect the people who are producing this very food that allows us to live to follow the same requirements and someone who works a nine to five job at a bank branch? That's for financing. Secondly, I truly believe that farmers and animal producers have better intentions than most people think. They don't necessarily want to be using a ton of pesticides or antibiotics. But if they're forced or encouraged to buy either subsidies or the government or a company to produce by volume instead of by nutrient density, that creates misaligned objectives because you create a lot of food But the nutrient density is low, then you have an excess of food that people aren't consuming, and then the food that they are consuming is lacking nutrients. So you create an obesity crisis, diabetes crisis. According to one of the panels by the EU on the Farm to Fork strategy, one in five EU adults are obese, and 50% are overweight, and one in eight children from 7 to 8 years old are obese. That shouldn't happen. And why is that? Why are children and adults becoming obese? Throughout this nutrition course I just finished, I got my certificate this week, yay me. I came to understand uh, how nutrients interact with our body on a molecular level and on a cell level and on an energy level. And so with this information, I can confidently say that when our bodies have enough nutrients of what it needs, it should be satiated. You should be, feel satisfied and not hungry. The problem nowadays is that there's a lot of food being created that is not nutrient dense. So people keep on eating to feel full or feel satisfied. But what they're eating is not giving them the nutrients they need. So they never get this signal that, hey, you're done. This is all you need. And since food is so cheap, these foods that are low nutrient foods are readily available everywhere. So if food were more nutritious because it's cultivated or produce in a more sustainable and organic way, or in just a more conscious way, then yes, it'll be more nutrient dense, it'd probably be more expensive, because it wouldn't be as efficient to cultivate a large variety of things in one farm. But when we think about our health, should we be more efficient? Or should we actually be effective? And by effective, I mean satiating hunger, feeding ourselves nutrients, creating a world that is sustainable and not creating too much food that then drives down prices where the governments of different countries need to subsidize crops or even give farmers money not to cultivate. Well, instead of cultivating tons and tons of corn or tons and tons of soybean or wheat. Maybe they should be incentivized to grow something else or have animals be out on the fields and not in pens. Meat is quite cheap nowadays because animals are left in pens their entire lives, stuffed with food, and slaughtered, all in a very mechanical process and very streamlined and super efficient animals are beings. They're living beings. They have emotions. They have anxieties. All of that, it's translated in its body. So when you're eating a nice little steak from a super stressed cow, where do you think all that stress is going? And I'm not saying that I believe in a lot of energy stuff, but I truly believe that the better quality food you eat, the better you will feel, and the healthier you will be. So if we were to push for these more sustainable ways of creating food, then the next question is, how do we make this affordable? And how do we make sure that we don't become food insecure? And here we have this line that always keeps on popping up, We're going to be 9 billion people in the future. How are we going to feed them? Well, right now, a third of the food that is produced is being thrown out. And even the food that is being produced, the quality isn't that great. So how about we start getting the process right and start producing nutrient-rich food, and then we become concerned about how we're going to feed these hypothetical 2 billion people in the future. And yes, it might seem a little bit radical. But do we really want these hypothetical future 2 billion people to be eating the awful nutrient deficient things that we're eating nowadays that are causing people to have heart disease, cancer, and a myriad of other diseases? Is that the kind of life we want for the next 2 billion people to be added to this world population? The EU is one of the largest food exporters and importers in the world. They have the power to set the stage for better practices. And that's what they're trying to do with this. That being said, will China do whatever it wants? Yes. Will the US do whatever it wants? Of course. But if the EU can show that this is actually better for its people, it's sustainable, and even profitable, other countries will surely follow. And so how is the EU going to do this? Well, obviously, setting money aside for these programs and establishing a code of conduct for responsible business and marketing practices. Within this, there are also going to be guidelines on marketing campaigns. Companies will no longer be able to advertise low prices for meat. And also, they're going to restrict the promotion of foods that are high in fat, sugar, and salt. And you might ask, why are they doing this? Why are they trying to control what I eat and what I see and what is available to me? But the document states it quite clearly, and it's pretty convincing. And I know this from previous readings and from previous knowledge, but I'm quoting from their document. It is estimated that in the EU in 2017, over 950,000 deaths, one out of five, and over 60 million lost healthy life years, were attributed to unhealthy diets, mainly cardiovascular disease and cancers. That is insane. Imagine if that's your family member, your parents, even your children, that because you're encouraging this archaic food system where efficiency comes before effectiveness, then you're actually reducing the time you have with your loved ones. And here, we know this. It's not a surprise. What can we do to make this better? Well, follow the plan. Try to encourage people to follow the plan. And it'll become easier. So they're trying to impose some tax incentives for organic foods, So even though it might be more expensive in the future, maybe it'll be taxed at a lower level. So it'll actually be quite similar to the more industrially produced foods. I think that's genius. You not only encourage individuals to seek out these products, but you give them the financial tools to be able to purchase them. And also you give farmers the opportunity to have a market for their products. And then there's also this aspect of reducing food waste and food loss. Something that they quote that's actually quite interesting is that there's a misunderstanding of misuse dates of use by and best before dates. When people go to the grocery store, it's not very clear what it means. So, when I had my cookie business or before I started, I had to get safe serve certified. I had to learn what the use-by dates were, understand how to store food, how long it would last. And the thing is, policies are quite conservative because you don't want to get people sick when you produce food or sell food because you as the business owner are responsible. So a lot of times when food says uh, use-by or eat before this date or best-by, it still has some time left. You should use your own nose um, because it's very good in telling us when things are going off Uh, and not throw out things just because it says a used by or best before date. This generates a ton of waste at grocery stores because when, if I were a a bread producer, I go back to the shelf and I see my loaves of bread and then it's the best before date. I have to take that back and then I throw it out. But if those dates are a bit more flexible and you might even have a secondary market for these products or you say, well, it cannot be sold as bread anymore, but I can sell it to a food producer that's going to make meatballs or it's going to make some sort of pain perdu uh, dish, then you give it a second life. So I think getting creative with these restrictions that we have to keep people safe, but are very conservative, will allow us to create more food and reduce waste. This farm-to-fork strategy is quite complete in my eyes. Uh, It comes out of the European Green Deal. They're trying to make Europe the first climate-neutral continent by 2050. That is a great feat. And also something that other continents and countries should aspire to. Under Europe's Horizon 2020 initiative, they're proposing to spend 10 billion euros on research and investigation on food, bioeconomy, natural resources, agriculture, fisheries, aquaculture, the environment, and the use of digital technologies and nature-based solutions for agri food this sentence alone shows you where investment will be going. If I were investing or starting a company, these are the topics I would go for. Because you know there will be funding in the future. You know there's a tension on it. And so there will be a large company that will need to incorporate these techniques in the future, but might not have the capacity to do it now. Or You have just consumers that will become more knowledgeable. So by the time your business is up and running, then you'll have a customer base without a lot of competition. There are a lot of opportunities when countries come out with strategies or continents come out with these strategies because it allows for people to see where money will be flowing. And internet companies will actually thrive in this because one of the goals of this plan is that everyone is connected. And the one of the ways that farmers can uh, use newer technologies in their farms is through Wi-Fi and internet. And so they actually need to be on a grid. So any company that helps make that happen will also uh, thrive in this system. Then we're going to have distribution, supply chain, also other technologies that help track this source of food and where it goes, carbon footprints, understanding what the effects are of eating a avocado from Peru. How many tons of fossil fuels does it take to get that avocado on your plate? And if as consumers we become more conscious of how our daily choices and our daily meal decisions affect this whole global health then maybe just maybe we can feed these 9 billion people in the future with healthy nutritious food and be here to see it thank you everyone for sticking out uh, this farm to fork strategy analysis it was a very detailed 23 page document but quite general at the same time, so I try to include some of my opinions in there. Uh, I will have more episodes kind of on where I see the food industry going, where I see potential, and also some other topics that I've been learning about, including GMO, feed production, animal production, this horrible thing we call corn monoculture, But I leave that for next time. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed it. And please let me know what other internet rabbit hole you want me to go into. Until next time.